Welcome to Campaign Chemistry, where we pick the brains of creative alchemists, business wizards, and marketing geniuses behind the world's greatest brands. From the wedding bust of 2020 to the wedding boom of 2022, the business of getting hitched has been nothing but a wild ride. Now, as 2023 promises a return to normalcy, Jenny Lewis, chief marketing officer at The Knot Worldwide, faces a new challenge, reaching a younger generation of couples and adapting to a risky economic climate. Joining from Uber, where she served as the head of marketing for the U.S. and Canada, Lewis has used her expertise in scaling two-sided marketplaces to lead marketing, insights, and editorial initiatives for The Knot and its 19 global brands across 16 countries. Under her leadership, in a little more than a year, The Knot has experienced an editorial revamp, a marketing reorganization, and a renewed focus to integrate vendor and consumer marketing. Soon, The Knot will launch its first integrated marketing campaign in summer 2023. As the wedding industry changes, Lewis has her eye fixed on the new generations of wedding couples and the meaningful ways they want to celebrate. In this episode, she discusses the outlook for the 2023 wedding season and beyond, the new opportunities to reach younger consumers, and the unique ways her experience at Uber has applied to a new category. I'm your host, Sabrina Sanchez, creative editor at Campaign US, and you're listening to Campaign Chemistry. Jenny, thank you so much for joining me. Um, It's great to actually talk with you again. We met in person for our listeners a little while ago at a Not event where I actually told Jenny about my engagement. Um, Yeah, so this is a really special podcast for me, I think, because I'm going to learn so much from you um, and I'm going to apply it to my own experience. Um, And I'm just also curious to hear about trends that are happening in this space. So I wanted to start with, you know, 2020 was a rough year for the wedding industry with cancellations, restrictions, travel bans, you know, we know the gist, right? And then in 2022, we saw that there, there was this boom of people that had postponed their weddings and they were getting hitched and hitting record numbers of weddings. So both extremes of the spectrum. Tell us what you're expecting for 2023. What does the wedding landscape look like and what marketing opportunities are there for newly engaged couples? Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks so much, first of all, for having me, Sabrina, and congrats again on the engagement. It is such an exciting chapter of your life, and I hope you get to soak it all in. So as you said, last year really was, uh, we kind of joke, it was a Super Bowl of weddings. With so much pent-up demand from COVID, we saw a record high in terms of number of I do's here in the U.S. Uh, this year, we're continuing to see pretty healthy demand, but returning back to pre-pandemic levels. But this year, I've coined as a bit of a year of transformation for the wedding industry, Gen Z, as I mentioned to you before, is entering wedding age. And as we know, as marketers, the younger generation has proven to be a real force for change. They're digital natives, highly inclusive, environmentally focused, and they tend to value experience, access um, over possession. And, you know, like just to put it in context into weddings, uh, according to a recent study that we did, um, of all the generations, Gen Z was the most likely to put charitable giving on their registry. And they also prefer honeymoon experiences and funds over those tangible gifts. Um, So we're starting to see some of that manifest in gifting as that example in particular. Um, But they're also thinking really critically around what a wedding is and how that fits into 
their life as a couple. And we're seeing a real desire to use it as an opportunity to kind of reshape the rituals that were a part of their childhood, but make that wedding feel authentic to them. Maybe not staying tied to the same traditions that their parents had or chose to do like the white dress, but rethinking it and doing it in a way that feels authentic to them and who they are as a couple. So it's really exciting to see um, a, a lot of momentum in the category and B, just how this next generation is starting to reshape again, the, the ceremony and ritual of wedding entirely. Yeah, that's really interesting. They're really trying to like align their weddings with their values. And so I'm curious to learn a little bit more about what that looks like nowadays. Like if you have some examples of just how that takes shape and maybe is a little different from the way that you've had to market weddings before. Yeah, well, I think, you know, it it takes shape in ensuring that we are offering a highly inclusive and diverse offering, particularly through our vendor marketplace, uh, which is where many couples find their venue or their photographer or their officiant or what have you, and ensuring that we're offering a variety of different vendors um, for all different religions and all different types of cer- ceremony, both big and small, to ensure that we're meeting couples with the needs that they want. So as we think about both marketing as well as product strategy moving forward, it's how do we keep that top of mind of the need state of the consumer now is maybe a little bit different than it was 10 years ago. And we need to be thinking differently. Very like funny, maybe uh, not too surprising is that we're starting to see an emergence of a new category of vendor, which is a social media uh, content curator or creator that some couples are hiring to come for their wedding in addition to their traditional photographer. So they have somebody who's actually kind of managing their social media accounts for the night and they're able to take pictures and get some of that live action. So the bride or groom can be truly present in the moment and enjoying it, but still get to share a lot of that love same day with their audience on social media. So again, finding new ways and kind of these new categories and demand trends that we're seeing and making sure that we're making that available both through our product as well as sharing that through our marketing as well too. Yeah, that's really interesting. I've seen some pretty cool things pop up on my For You page, which by the way, I've manipulated to make sure I get a wedding well, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah. Weddings. <laughs> Yeah, I've seen so many cool things, like even just um, encouraging people to like post things on live and, you know, Mm -hmm. sort of like document your wedding for you. Um, And it's just a a very different approach. You know, it's really interesting to hear about how this cultural, you know, phenomenon has sort of shifted and, and evolved over time. And so that also brings me to keeping in mind this audience that's getting married, getting engaged, and also the economic outlook of the times. We know that the average wedding cost is about $30,000, right? And and that includes the knots projections. How have you evaluated your marketing strategy to account for the current economic outlook and this new way to engage with Gen Z? And do you anticipate weddings to be as popular as last year? And, you know, how are you messaging around that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, No, it is something that is absolutely top of mind for couples right now. And I think that, you know, budget always has been something that has been top of mind for couples, but particularly with inflation and some economic uncertainty. Um, And in times like these, I think people may have to be extra flexible and consider backup plans. You know, we've seen our couples get creative 
even in some of the toughest of circumstances. Um, and we're in the business of helping people plan weddings and celebrations that are memorable, and authentic to them, whatever that may look like. So we strive to empower couples to make some of those trade-offs and difficult decisions and plan ahead and budget what they're comfortable for. Um, that might mean they have to make some compromises on number of guests that are attending their wedding, perhaps location. Some couples are getting um, creative with actually getting married abroad because they might be able to find um, a more budget-friendly venue for the number, number of guests they're hoping to bring. Um, but ultimately, it really comes down to the preference of each couple, getting ahead of it with your partner, getting aligned on your budget from the get-go so that you're clear on what you want to spend um, and being really thoughtful and intentional in what's most important to you can hopefully help clear the way for you to make some of those trade-offs down the line. We do have a um, shameless plug, but we have an excellent budgeting tool on our site that gives you an estimated cost of typically what florals are cost looks like in certain markets and in the US, um, what you can expect to spend for a photographer, what have you. These are averages, these are ranges, by no means are they precise, but having been in the industry for decades now, we have a pretty good idea of what the typical cost will look like um, that can hopefully help you get ahead of that sticker shock later in the game. I know so many of my friends that got married, my own experience getting married, um, it's surprising how expensive some things are. And so the more ahead of that you can get, the better you can make um, thoughtful decisions early in um, and evaluate trade-offs that you might need to make to help accommodate budget. Yeah, that sticker price is a little shocking, I will admit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I well, tried to mentally, right now. <laughs> yeah, I, I've tried to mentally prepare, but I don't think anything prepares you for <laughs> the amount once you start uh, adding things up. But I'm glad that you brought up the travel part. And like, there's a trend to see more travel, you know, destination weddings, I think have always been sort of popular. But now with you know, you're saying with this generation, this is really popular. So we often hear that the wedding and travel industries work hand in hand. And now in many countries, travel restrictions have been lifted. So How is the not working with travel and, you know, the hotel industry to tailor messaging to future brides and grooms? Like, what are some popular expected wedding destinations for 2023 and beyond? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I, I don't have a perfect stat for you on most popular vetted, but I'm sure we can get that. Um, there, it's, it's absolutely the case. We are seeing a lot of interest in destination weddings. We are um, a global company, which means that we operate in, I think it's 16 markets globally. Um, so we also have marketers on the ground in the UK, in Spain, in um, LATAM and all over the world. Um, so it gives us a unique position as well, too, for how we can facilitate that. Um, and replicate the product that we offer here in the States to some of those global weddings to hopefully make it easier for U.S. brides and grooms to get connected with vendors that are aligned with the celebration they're trying to plan. Um, in terms of messaging, you know, I think we're just, we're, we're really in the business and trying of trying to make it easy for every couple to plan, you know, take inspiration to action. So, really form that vision of what they're trying to create and then make it easy for them to turn that into action. So hopefully through some of our tools um, and through some of our our, um, uh, sister properties, I suppose as well too, internationally, um, we're able to provide them with the information. It's really interesting actually, as we are seeing this surge in 
some destination weddings, obviously that tends to mean that guest costs go up as well too. But we actually found that um, almost 70% of guests were more were willing to spend more on weddings following the pandemic because they realized the importance of celebration and being together and connected after being far apart for so long. So it, it's kind of heartwarming to see, you know, a lot of guests, despite, you know, at times costs going up, these are still expenses they're prioritizing because they want to be there. They realize the importance of coming together with friends and family and how special that is coming out of a, a time of immense uncertainty and isolation. Yeah. I mean, I've heard from people that they're ready to party, you know, when I've talked about, (laughs) yeah, my future wedding. Um, And, you know, it's, it's really fascinating to see that like, this is something people are willing to shell out money for. I think the pandemic definitely Mm -hmm. deprived people of that. And, you know, it's interesting that you're saying you just try to provide, you know, your customers with the tools, but there's also, Another really interesting feature that you have, which is your magazine. And I want to talk a little bit about that um, because I know that that's one of the main platforms for inspiration, right? For a lot of people, you know, and I know that we had talked in person about how The Knot has recently revamped the look and the feel of its magazines. And you've also invested into pushing your vendor platforms like Wedding Wire, The Knot, Hitch, The Bump. So Tell us about what went into that decision. Why did you choose that approach and what are you hoping to achieve from that strategy? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. So um, so magazine is a huge, for the, the Not brand is a huge part of our heritage. It's so much of where we came from. It's what we were born from. We've obviously expanded significantly um, beyond just editorial in uh, recent years in particular. So we have a much more diverse offering, but it was important to me, especially stepping in as a fairly new CMO just a year ago, to not lose that heritage that made us special and got us where we are today. So really making that a part of our story for the future as well. That being said, what we saw as I started digging into some of the insights and speaking to couples and speaking to vendors and speaking to employees and understanding where the not brand is today in terms of perception and opportunity it was clear that we had a lot of um, a lot of big, you know, positives associated with our brand. We were a sage expert. We had such a strong expertise in the category. We were viewed as almost like a must for many couples of getting membership, buying a magazine. It was very much part of the top of mind process for um, most engaged couples. But we were starting to feel a little a little stale and a little bit, you know. Um, a little bit, I've kind of joked like elder millennial. And so we were sort of losing our future audience. And it's a really interesting brand to work on a bit different than ones that I've worked on previously, because we have them for such a, our customer for a relatively short period of time. The average engagement is 18 months. And so you want to maximize that opportunity and then your customer leaves. So you're, you're constantly getting a new target customer and you have to stay fresh and stay in front of them and make sure that you don't lose that brand equity that you've built over so many years. So as we thought about what this next generation is looking for, we saw an opportunity to refresh our brand, um, the not brand in the U.S., just to better, to better meet their needs, to better align with some of our values and what we stand for, as well as some of what we're hearing from them of what they're looking for. And so we went on, started this mission 
uh, about a year ago now and started looking deeply inwards on why are we here? Why do we exist? What do we what do we exist to do? What do we what mark do we want to leave on society as a brand? And what do we want to champion for champion? And it became abundantly clear through a lot of introspection with our executive team, as well as just kind of diving deep into insights and seeing where kind of our special spark is, that so much of what was in our DNA and what we felt we could uniquely champion was the importance of celebration and the importance of that coming together with friends and family and celebrating the moments that make us that are not just kind of shallow celebrations, but really these kind of deep moments that you will remember for the rest of your life. Um, and so we wanted to embrace that, that insight as a, as kind of the launch pad of our redesign. So we teased it in our most recent issue of The Knot Magazine. The party that we had a chance to meet at was our launch party um, for that magazine. Uh, but more to come, and hopefully you'll start to see that feeling, that energy of celebration come to life through our look and feel um, over, the, over the summer when we will kind of be releasing it more en masse. Yeah, and we're going to get to that in a second because I think that's yeah. really exciting. But I want to stay on the magazine front for a little longer because what's interesting about this is like, this is a physical copy, right? Like you have to buy a physical magazine to get this inspiration. And it's such a, it has such a beautiful look and hopefully we can get a picture up with the story along with this. But, um, you know, it's, it's a beautiful magazine, but there's also like, a lot of this generation is on digital. So how are you working to reach customers digitally and what role do the magazines play in like the overall marketing strategy? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so in terms of digital engagement, so we are trying to experiment a bit with, you know, how can we uh, leverage the magazine to drive to digital as well? They serve different purposes. The magazine really is high editorial inspiration, beautiful pictures, beautiful storytelling. We have some of that online as well too, but I think there's a lot more depth and richness that you're able to get through the magazine where much of our app and our web presence is more focused on kind of almost like your wedding sidekick, your dashboard. Like, are you on track with planning? Are you finding the vendors? And I talked a little bit earlier about turning inspiration into action. And that's something that we try and kind of use as a North Star as we think about our product and business strategy overall. And if you think about the magazine as really on the heavy on the inspiration side where our, our product and our app and our web presence um, is much more on the action side. So as you as you start to form that you know vision board of what you're looking for, how do you turn it into action? When I think about the role that the magazine plays in our overall marketing strategy, uh, I'll be honest, my first time ever overseeing an editorial team, a magazine. This has been new turf for me. Uh, and it's been really fun in learning so much about this industry and the role that it plays um, both as a standalone product and, and monetizable opportunity, but also as part of, to your point, our marketing strategy. And it's interesting um, when you actually look at the data, it's almost like you have these thousands of like little mini out of home billboards, all on newsstands all across the country. And um, so when we started kind of putting it in that frame of reference of, you know, what message would we want to say? How would we want our brand to show up? Um, and how can we 
weave some of that into our magazine, um, it started changing our frame of reference of it. So how do we elevate some of the vendor stories? How do we talk about the, the product opportunities that we have, but do so in a way that isn't diluting that inspiration and editorial experience that couples are looking for? So it's definitely a balance, but I think um, we're, we're still learning about the role that it will play, but certainly see it having a, a long-lasting history as part of our part of our suite of products. I love that. Many billboards. I never thought of it that way. And I hope that other marketers start to think of it that way. It would be so cool to see more magazines yeah. on the stands. Um, yeah. But I, I also want to just talk about you for a second, because, you know, you mentioned earlier that this has been sort of like your first year, right, on The Knot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and, you know, before that, it's my understanding that you served as head of marketing for U.S. and Canada at Uber. So yeah. obviously, like, very different worlds, very different oh, yeah. category. I'm just curious to hear a little bit about, like, what you learned at Uber that you've been able to apply at The Knot. And, like, in what ways have you been able to sort of, like, transfer some of those skills, you know, just to kind of, like, really immerse yourself in this category? Yeah, you would be surprised. You know, they are, they are obviously very different categories, very different audiences, but it is amazing um, how many similarities there are in terms of just the muscles that you have to use, the insight exploration. And uh, there's something about that you that I've come to realize and really appreciate stepping into this new role of like the the toolkit you build as a marketer is uh, can be applied in a lot of different categories and I think sometimes we lose sight of that we get very like category specific of like I am a tech marketer I am a CPG marketer or I am an e-commerce marketer when actually there's there's a lot of crossover between um, but. In, for this role in particular, I think some of the things that I leverage most from my time at Uber is we are leaning right now at, at uh, the Knot um, quite a bit into our vendor marketplace, which I've mentioned a few times, and how we really kind of think through the relationship that we play in helping vendors all over the U.S. And these are small, for the most part, small businesses um, build up their clientele, build up their roster, build up their presence online. And there's actually a surprising amount of corollaries between that type of marketing and what we did with drivers and couriers and restaurants at Uber and Uber Eats and how you're talking to two different audiences all at once. So we're speaking to couples at The Knot and we're also speaking to vendors and getting that balance right um, as part of a marketplace business um, is a bit of a unique marketing challenge. I mean, you can't make decisions in isolation. You have to be thinking about the ripple effect of if we put this campaign out to couples, how are vendors are inevitably going to be seeing it? How are they going to feel about it? We actually just, we have um, some work coming out later this year and we just fielded a bunch of research with vendors to inform the strategy, even though it is fully consumer facing and all of the KPIs are rooted in um, consumer targets. But we want to make sure that we're not we're not missing that audience. So I think that's probably one of the skills that I bring most from Uber is being quite balanced in how we think about the different audiences that we serve and being really critical in the way that we market and how our tone of voice is similar or different and our look and feel is either similar or different and getting that balance right, uh, which has been fun to apply that here as well to totally different industry to your point, but more similarities than you would expect. 
Yeah, it's so interesting. Um, the, you know, the marketplace um, sort of role where you have to talk to two mm-hmm. different audiences. And this is a really complex position to be in, right? Mm-hmm. So how are you structuring your team for success as the job of a marketer becomes more complex? Oh, Sabrina, it is such a good question. Uh, I've been chatting org strategy quite a bit uh, lately with some other marketers because I don't, you know, I I actually have like a bit of a passion for org strategy. I very much like a enjoy most of my job working with my team and all that I want to do is hopefully empower them to do the best work of their career and have a great time doing it. And um, so I I think a lot about how we work, the way that we work, some of our cultural norms and things like that. And one thing I have come to peace with is like, there is no perfect org structure or strategy. It just, it it doesn't exist. There's just pros and cons and trade-offs that you make depending on which way you want to lean and um, so the way that we are structured, which which works quite well for us, but again, there's no perfect, no perfect silver bullet here, is that we are uh, functional by um, by marketing discipline. So performance marketing, product marketing, um, creative brand marketing, and um, then we have within each of those teams we try and create some cohesion around like sub teams so that we really create a teaming mentality of like making sure those groups are talking all the time and that we aren't getting too deeply functional. We do have um, most of my leaders oversee both consumer and vendor marketing. I've seen structures that you kind of isolate one in a marketplace business and you have an audience strategy that can absolutely work too. For us, it feels right to have the two next to each other right now and having a line of sight across, especially at the most senior leadership levels within my team, so that we are finding those synergies across audiences um, and so that we are able to think about a holistic marketplace marketing strategy and not just by individual audience or segment. Um, Again, pros and cons, but but it's working quite well for us right now and allows for us to, again, find that connectivity across audiences so that we aren't, we aren't getting too myopically focused on one versus another. This is so fascinating. I feel like I'm in the room where it happens. Um, and it's so interesting yeah. to see how you're making all of this work. So I've been holding off on this because I wanted to save the best for last because it's interesting. You came in a year ago. You've been doing all these yeah. amazing things, revamping the knot reorganizing your teams and now you have a little something coming in the summer that you've been alluding to um, that's going to continue this strategy so what can you tell us about this yes yes um we are very excited so we have um later this summer you know as you mentioned a lot of my first year I've I've been at the company a little over a year now but a lot of my first year was just like resetting the foundation getting the right team structure in place getting some leaders in and um, but we see a real opportunity to just think a bit bigger about our marketing strategy. And we've been very performance marketing heavy from a media standpoint historically. So later this year, um, and likely kind of midsummer, we'll be launching our first ever fully integrated marketing campaign. So activating all parts of the funnel against a sing- single-minded message. Um, we're very excited to get that out in the wild. Um, I don't wanna speak too much to it now um, since it is still still in the making. 
Um, but hopefully you will you will be seeing it on screens and across platforms and surfaces um, quite soon. And where we're really focusing is on uh, elevating some of the products and services that we do offer. We definitely have, we have strong brand. We have, I'm very fortunate to have inherited the awareness numbers and acquisition numbers that we have. But when you actually peel the surface on how people think of us, an insight that came to life was people know who we are, but they don't know what we do. We're very well known for our brand, but they don't really understand the the services that we offer that they can utilize to help plan their wedding. So a lot of the campaign will be rooted in providing greater visibility into some of those products and services. So we can start repositioning our narrative um, from just pure inspiration to actual like functional utility as well, too. Very interesting. I sense some very lovely creative coming through. Yeah, so I totally respect that you can't talk about it too much right now, but I look forward to seeing what that looks like. And I think it's a really exciting time for The Knot. I mean, even myself, just learning about all the different, um, you know, vendor platforms that you offer, I wasn't aware of all of them. Um, and I'm, I'm learning so much. And so it's really interesting to see what you guys are doing. You have a beautiful new magazine. And so I'm excited to see what happens. Um, and I will be keeping tabs as both a future bride and a creative editor covering marketing. So thank you so much for this conversation. This has been lovely. Thank you, Sabrina. This has been so much fun and congrats again. Thank you. I appreciate it. That's all the time we have for this week. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next week. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to Campaign Chemistry on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts.